bonding can take place in so many different ways. It could be immediate. It can be in the third trimester for many parents. It can be the first time you hold them, lay eyes on them, or it can take a little bit longer and maybe need some facilitation of things like massage and and some, some help of experts. Your mental health plays such a big part of it as well. Kirsty is a physiotherapist who works with neonates, and she's mum to two-week-old Matthew. She shares how her insights into neonates has impacted how she cares for her newborn. We talk about bonding and attachment and how falling in love happens very differently for everyone. We go on to explore kangaroo mother care or skin to skin, the how, when and why. Of course, we also talk about how to cope with toddlers' demands and jealousy when the new baby arrives. So stay tuned as we explore the life of a mum of three through the eyes of Kirsty. Welcome to Sense by Meg Fora, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Fora, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the Parent Sense app, and catch Meg here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Hello, mums and dads. It is so good to have you back again. I am loving our weekly chats with real mums, exploring the weekly highs and lows of parenthood. And as you know, each week I'm joined by a parent and I share my knowledge, my years of experience as an occupational therapist and the author of eight books. And I apply the sense that I've learned to what can be otherwise be a tricky time in life. And so this week we're joined by Kirsty, who is a mum to three little ones. So she has two-year-old twins, Charlie and Adam, and then she's got two-week-old little Matthew, who, by the way, for this entire podcast, is lying in her arms, and you'll hear his little grunts and, and groans as we go through. But Kirsty is also a colleague from Cape Town. She's a physiotherapist who is specialized in pediatrics, and her and I have worked together over many years with little ones. I would refer all of the developmental challenging babies to her, and she would refer the little ones with sleep problems and feeding problems to me. And more recently, she's really become very specialized in prem babies. So she works in a neonatal ICU at Mowbray Maternity Hospital in Cape Town, where she um, uses sensory developmental care to look after these little ones. She really is an incredible physiotherapist and now an experienced mom with three little ones. Welcome, Kirsty, and tell us a little bit more about your family and about your journey as you embark on the newborn journey for the second time. Hi, Meg. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. So yes, I had twins two years ago, and it was quite a whirlwind of an experience. And when we decided to have a third, I was really, really keen on making the journey a different one. So I really wanted to focus on bonding with my boy in the first week of getting to know him. Yeah. Did you find bonding in the first, with, with the first little ones tough or tricky? I mean, I mean, twins is quite a thing, isn't it? Yeah. So twins in self is, is definitely a thing. And my personal journey was, was fraught with a bit of challenges, unfortunately. So I had a very anxious pregnancy the first time around. And then when the babies came along, we had to bring them into the world a little bit earlier than expected. With I had a bit of preeclampsia. Okay. So, so how far along were you? I was 35 weeks, Okay, which is still pretty good for twins. Yeah, yeah. But it was still a, a challenge mm. to bring forward my planned date at the yeah. last minute. 
for yeah. sure. And I think, I think it's important for people to know the context in which maybe some of that anxiety came about. And that is that you and I have actually worked together because you're a physiotherapist. And I sometimes feel like that kind of background of knowledge maybe can increase the, the anxiety because you just know, you, you know, how vital that pregnancy and that birth is. Yes. And I work in a neonatal unit in uh, Mowbray Maternity and in a high risk clinic there. And so I, and in my private practice too, I see, I see a lot of babies that have had challenges. So perhaps my perception of the reality is a bit skewed. So I think that was one of the reasons I was so anxious in the pregnancy. I'm, I'm an older mum. I was 40 at the time. I had a multiple pregnancy, so twins, Stephanie, more risk factors. Mm-hmm. And I was just surprised at, at the emotional challenges I faced during the pregnancy in particular. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's common for so many moms that, you know, I mean, I know that you and I both had that background of knowledge, which does make you maybe slightly more anxious, but for a lot of moms, I mean, pregnancy, we know that it's important and, you know, and, and we have these niggles and we don't know if that means that something's going to go wrong. And of course, preeclampsia in itself is something that is very scary to go through. Yeah, definitely. So then it came time for the babies to be born and they arrived in the world. A little bit of a frenzy to get dad here from Mauritius. He was living in Kenya at the time and there was phone calls at all hours and flights booked from different places and managed to get him in town just in the nick of time um, to be welded to theatre on a Monday morning. And unfortunately, my, my condition wasn't great during and after the surgery. And as a result, I had an extended stay in the hospital with a couple of other operations and a few other, other ch- physical challenges myself. Mm. And I was just very fortunate that the boys were allowed to, they were moved into the NICU and they were allowed to stay there until I was physically fit to look after them. But that was about 23 nights. So it was a long oh, journey to word, get Christy. them into my arms. I didn't realize that. So, so when you say they were in the, in the neonatal ICU and, and for those in the UK, they call it a skaboo and, you know, Boom, various yeah. different, various different names. What was the reason that they were, I mean, they were obviously born five weeks early. Did they need to be in the, in the neonatal ICU or was it because you were being hospitalized that they were there? So the one little baby, the firstborn Charlie, he was grunting a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the doctor recommended that he move across to NICU and they generally don't split tw- twins. Okay. So they just took Adam along with, and at that point, my blood pressure was well over 200, <laughs> over 200. And I was in a quite a critical condition and just getting them anywhere safe was my priority. So I was obviously happy to consent for them to move the boys ASAP. So your condition, had it actually progressed into help syndrome? Because that sounds no, quite serious. It was serious. Uh, I went into major preeclampsia on the table, which okay. is very unusual. Yes. And, you know, I was in the hands of the anaesthetist and they were just incredible. My doctor was incredible. Mm. And so, yeah, so that happened. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it, it was a, a cascade of events that led to a bleed and I had a big bleed, intra-abdominal bleed. And then I had to have further surgery to remove that the next day. And then I had to have blood transfusions, but that caused anaphylaxis. So that caused further days oh in an ICU. Oh my goodness me, a proper cascade. So, a proper cascade and just what a pity. Mm. <laughs> it was just a pity. It was just bad luck. So for 23 days, how much of that time could you actually 
I mean, you clearly couldn't breastfeed, but how much of that time could they be with you? And how much, how much contact did you actually have with them? And do you feel like that was really disruptive? So as an A-type personality, you know, um, I self-mobilized myself. I think it was on the second night after my second surgery and found myself walking through into the NICU in the, in the dark and saying, I need to hold my baby. Of course, <laughs> of course. So I think I held one of them, but, uh, you know, I was quite dragged up. So it was all a bit of a haze. Mm. Held one of them that day and the other one I only held again on the third day. Okay. So they were born to my chest and then they were whisked away. And then it was a few days till I got to hold them. And then after that, I made sure I went through whenever I could. I tried to feed them, uh, KMC them, sit with them on my chest and then a coo. Mm. And just like our mums do at Mowbray, I, I wanted to spend as much time with them as possible. But I had to balance that with looking after myself and getting rest mm. and recovering my, my health as well. Yeah, and stupidly, actually, in, in having lots of visitors, and in retrospect, I shouldn't have had so many visitors. I should yeah. have just just knuckled down. And actually, now in in COVID, when little Matthew is born, uh, we aren't allowed visitors in the hospitals. And I really can suggest that mums consider that as as a good alternative, and just mm. just be just be present and just be with mm. your little baby. So um, Matthew's I mean later. Matthew's utterly gorgeous. He's lying in your arms, your little two-week-old. I mean, maybe you could just talk a little bit about, I'm sure you've reflected on on the difference in your bonding journey, you know, having been an ill mum the first time round and having had a more typical kind of journey this time round. Has it been very different? Absolutely. I went in with the intention to to bond because with the twins, with all of those changes, I, I felt like they were these little aliens that didn't actually belong to me. And it was quite, it was quite sad for me to feel that. And so my intention this time was to, to maybe have the experience that lots of other moms are blessed with. And I took him into my room as soon as he was born and I was able to, yeah, he actually wheeled through with me now that I remember it. And he stayed on my chest in KMC for about four days. I just and, kept him with me. <laughs> and has that, I mean, we're going to come back to KMC just now because I really want to go and do a deep dive into that. But before we do, have you felt a difference? Do you feel like you've had a different journey to falling in love this time around? Absolutely. Absolutely. And my knowledge before knows that every mom is different and every journey is different. Mm. And bonding can take place in so many different ways. Mm. It could be immediate. It can be in the third trimester for many parents. Mm. It can be the first time you hold them, lay eyes on them, or it can take a little bit longer and maybe mm. need some facilitation of things like massage and mm. and some, some help of experts. Your mental health plays such a big part of it as well. Yeah. So, so for him, I just, I, I said, I'm going to wear him and stare at him for the first few days. I love so that. Wear, wear and stare. stare. I love it. <laughs> so I think, Percy, it's so important to just bring that up because I think that there's a, a lot of guilt, and particularly for new moms who's listening, who are listening to this, who maybe have got a three-month-old where they don't feel that they've bonded properly or, or, or they just don't have those feelings. And I just want to go back to what you said there. The pictures that are portrayed in, in marketing ads and, in, and on social media are that you fall in love, love at first sight as you see your baby. But 
it actually isn't true. And for some mums, for a percentage of mums, and I was one of those mums, you fall in love right from the get go because it's, you know, as soon as you are, as soon as you know you're pregnant, as you feel those movements, as you see those ultrasound scans, you're just in love from day one, you're utterly besotted and that's, that's your journey. And then you get other mums who actually don't attach at all in pregnancy, particularly mums who've gone through fertility treatments or have lost a baby because, or maybe for those moms who are career moms and this wasn't a planned baby. And so for those moms, they don't attach in, in pregnancy. And then sometimes they look back afterwards and have this guilt around not having fallen in love and, and not having really wanted this baby, having some, maybe some mixed emotions around being pregnant. And then you get the bunch of moms who we know fall in love, love at first sight. But you do get mums, and I loved what you said about that, you know, there's so many factors that can impact on that. There is, is this a wanted baby? Did your birth go according to plan? Do you have postnatal depression? Um, you know, all of these factors can play a, play a part in not bonding in the first three months or maybe even the first six months. And what we know about the research is that babies are very, very resilient. And so bonding, as long as they get good care and fairly consistent care in the early days, if you only really fall in love at nine months or six months, and you know that's the first time that you really really connect with your baby, it's okay. They can have a good and robust emotional response in the world, and um, you know I think it's just a very important thing because your journeys have been very very different with your little ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very interesting. I want to go back around to the wear and stare because, I mean, you, you spoke about the word KMC, and I think that's not necessarily something that's familiar for a lot of moms. And you're referring to the wearing of your baby, and you work as a physio in a neonatal ICU. So, do you want to just tell us a little bit about KMC, what it is, and how beneficial it is? Absolutely. So, Mowbray Hospital, where I'm employed, has a doctor called Niels Bergman who did some incredible research into the neurophysiology and the understanding of what kangaroo mother care, what they call kangaroo mother care, can do for a child. The knowledge started when, I hope I get my story right, but as far as I remember, there was a hospital in quite a rural area of Africa and they because had a power actually, failure. It was actually, I'll tell you where it actually was. It yes. was in Bogota, Colombia. <gasps> Oh, and I'll, I'll let you know a yeah, little bit about us, the story. Us. Yes, no, it's a fascinating story. So in Bogota, Colombia, South America, actually, they had a neonatal ICU that didn't have um, incubators and they literally couldn't care for these babies. And so um, the babies would die, the prem babies, I'm talking about the very prem babies, would come out of, out of um, you know, be born and not be able to regulate their body temperature, their breathing and so forth. And so they would die. And then there was a doctor who became very well known. He was actually the father of kangaroo mother care. And he said, you know what we're going to do is we're going to put these babies on their mum's chest naked because then the mum can just have that moment of closure before the baby dies. And this was the idea was let's put the baby on the mum's chest. The baby's going to die, but at least they die connected with the mum. And the mum might have less you know, depression or whatever it is after. And then what ended up happening was that these babies, particularly the older preemies, so the babies who were maybe, you know, kind of 34, 35 weeks, they just didn't die. And so suddenly it became, right, we've got to do the research on this because if these babies are not dying, what's the reason for that? And part of that is that the mother is just the most unbelievable incubator. And Nils, Bergman, who really um, is absolutely incredible because in some ways he, he um, I don't want to say he commercialized it, he, he kind of made it, he popularized it because he's such a brilliant speaker that when you hear him talk about kangaroo mother care, KMC, you start to realize just how vital this is. So 
that's actually where it started from. But please continue because I know that you've heard this from his, from the horse's mouth, from Nils's yeah. mouth. Yeah, probably preggy brain forgot the real details, but never mind. The, the feeling is that you put your baby skin to skin and we do this with all our mums in the ICU. The sickest and the most compromised of babies, we get the mums to wear them for as long as they will during the day. And your, your body, by touching your baby's body, your skin to skin, creates these incredible pathways through your your neural systems and it, it taps into your amygdala, your emotional brain, and you end up bonding. So you have an mm. emotional connection with the baby and the baby actually has an emotional connection with you through skin to skin contact. But also your system helps regulate the baby's needs. For example, mm. a small baby who will have issues with regulating temperature, your body temperature will change according to what your baby needs mm. as you wear your baby on your chest. And so, and that's a really get... interesting fact. So, so before you move on to the sensory part, just that physiological part. Many moms, as they fall pregnant, look down at their chest or look at their chest in the mirror, and they see all of these blue veins going down to their breasts. Now, I mean, that for me was one of my first signals every time that I was pregnant. As soon as I saw the blue veins, I thought, okay, I know what's happening here. And of course, it's important because we need to develop our breast tissue to be able to feed baby. But what also happens is because we've got all of these veins bringing blood to the area, those veins can actually die dilate and actually bring more blood if you need to be warmer. And so your body, your body knows the temperature of your baby. And so if your baby's a little cooler than you are, for instance, your, your body knows it needs to be warmed up. And so the blood floods to the area and literally mom's chests can change by four degrees um, in order wow, to warm their babies up. Yeah. Dad's chests can't do that, obviously. But having said that, I mean, obviously dads can also came see their little ones if moms cannot be there. Great. And then, um, yeah, I think the other, so besides temporary, and they can listen to your heartbeat. So it's a very mm -hmm. calming stimulation. Mm -hmm. It's also putting some pressure on their tummy, which is also very calming, their midline. They often snuggle their hands against you. So there's a nice deep pressure. It feels like, it's like a little womb. Mm -hmm. I actually had a specially made mm -hmm. KMC top, which had a little slip where the baby slipped in. And then I had a little wrap that went across it to my mm -hmm. body mm -hmm. that a lady had made for our mom's at yeah. Mowbray and I got yeah. one from her. And it was just so wonderful. This episode is brought to you by ParentSense, your parenting app. As an avid user, I can safely say that ParentSense is the all-in-one baby development app that helps mums and dads keep track of their baby's routines and really takes the guesswork out of parenting in the first year of a baby's life. Meg, tell us what makes ParentSense so special. So ParentSense is my love child. I developed it because I felt that parents needed a little manual in their pocket, and that's what it is. It gives parents routines for their baby's day. They're flexible routines for sleep and for feeding. And then it also gives them a play activity for every single day, 365 for the first year of life, as well as recipes and meal plans. So it really, unlike most other apps, it covers absolutely every aspect of early parenting. There, you heard it straight from the expert. Download ParentSense app now from your app store. Sign up for a lifetime subscription on the website, parentsense.app, and take 50% off when you use the discount code parentpod at checkout. Take advantage of this incredible offer. It's exclusive to podcast listeners. Download the app now and take the guesswork out of parenting. So for moms who are wanting to do this, and I mean, if you're preg pregnant and you're listening to this, you know, the principles that we always talk about is KMC, your little one, as much as possible in the early days, exactly as you've described. And how to do it is baby's naked with a nappy on. 
And I like to put a little hat or a little beanie on their heads so that they, you know, they, they don't lose heat through their heads. And then you put a covering and in your case, Kirsty, you actually put a t-shirt or shirt on, but a mom can even just put a, a, a towel or a blanket over herself and her baby to keep them warm. And it really is amazing. You know, I think the research in it is so significant. It does help them to, I mean, it helps them to survive. As I mentioned with the babies in Bogota, Colombia, it helps them to connect and helps moms to connect as well. It also increases the chance of breastfeeding because when your baby has quite unrestricted access to your breast, particularly in the early days, it's very good for milk stimulation. So, and that, so it helps in that way. It helps with falling in love because when you've got skin to skin touch, you've also got oxytocin, which is our falling in love hormone that gets released more. And so you, you, you connect more. And what's incredible about oxytocin is when you have more connection, your baby actually releases oxytocin as well. So you get this whole falling in love cycle that happens. They've also shown that babies gain weight better you know, through, through being in KMC. So there's just a myriad of reasons why moms should be kangarooing their babies. And you obviously experienced that, you know, full on with Matthew. Are you still KMCing him at two weeks or have you stopped now? I really am. Oh, and yes. mostly because it keeps me hands-free. So yeah. in my particular setup, I've, I've, he's super secure where he is inside mm. and I can walk around the house. I can put the laundry on. I can do all the jobs I need to do. And I can play and look after the twins. So Again. just to be clear, when you talk about doing all of that, so you, a mum could do all of that just in a normal carrier, but you're saying he's actually naked on your chest like that or he is yeah. in a carrier? No, he's naked on your chest. No, he's naked on my chest. He wasn't, mm. I didn't even put clothes on until, until the fourth day. Yeah. And now in the mornings I take his clothes off and generally pop him in there and he stays okay. there until it's time to get dressed yeah. in case he's going to see somebody else. <laughs> well, you'd obviously need to have a very special type of sling in order to do that um, for the other moms mm. who are listening because it would have to be very secure. Yes. You know, and I, I mean, I can remember having a conversation with Nils Bergman, um, who you spoke about earlier, actually at our infant mental health group many years ago, where he, I mean, he is, he's a real, he's an extremist. And of course, a very loud and vocal voice for, for KMC and rightly so, because we need people to have, a, have strong voices. And he said to me in his, uh, I think he's got a German accent or an Austrian accent. I don't know where it's from, but he said to me, you need to kangaroo for six weeks without stopping. And I said to him, Nils, life happens. You know, people are going to go to <laughs> the shops. You can't kangaroo all day every day. But you can, you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, and I think, I think one of the things for mums is, you know, I think if you can, that's absolutely incredible. Like you doing for me, I, I didn't, I did kangaroo and um, particularly my third one, who was my Caesar baby. But I also then had a carrier that I would then whenever, whenever I was going out to the shop, she would rather be in a carrier. And I think, you know, one of the messages that I've always tried to give to moms is put your babies in carriers rather than in prams, because when they're up against you, there's so many benefits, even if it's not naked, in KMC, mm. there's so many benefits of wearing your baby. Definitely. So yeah, that was my my first week was uh, a few days in hospital. I actually opted for an extra night just to get the rest I needed. And yeah. thank goodness I did because I arrived home to a sick nanny oh, and had no health for the first week when I got home. So that was chaos, but also an adventure in itself. And we all just figured it out. How did you find that the boys responded to um, having a new baby and how were there things that you did that really worked well in order to help them adjust between, you know, kind of being, having all your focus and now having their, your focus on a newborn? Well, the fortunate thing is that the babies in the first two weeks, they sleep so much. They mm. are pretty calm. I think it's only after two weeks that your digestion and all sorts of things start to rear their little heads. So, you know, Matty actually sleeps quite a lot. 
So mm. whenever I get the chance, I, I'm generally wearing him. He's inside my top and then I don't have to pay much attention to him and I can give the boys as much attention as they need. Yeah. The one, I think it's personalities. The one baby, the one little boy, um, Charlie likes to come and go gentle, gentle and gently oh. stroke his chest and then end with a little poke. <laughs> and otherwise he eeks it. He wiggles his toe slowly, creeps his foot toe by toe closer, closer to the baby, looking at me sideways. And then when he gets very close, he gives a little flick. So he knows he's being naughty. (laughs) Oh, that's so (laughs) funny. And also a way that they can get attention from you as well. Attention from me. Because you'll immediately respond then. And so I'm pretty calm. I just go be gentle with the baby. We're nice with the baby. We don't poke the baby. We don't kick the baby. And then I bring them in for a hug or a kiss or a, whenever I see them trying to create a reaction with the baby, I, I give them an extra big proprioceptive deep squeeze and a bit of attention. I love that. So I think that's so important. You know, I think when, when we talk about the attention, that's probably what they're looking for. And you've got to find mm. ways to do that positively rather than, wait, because if you don't do that, then they'll find ways to actually seek the attention and then it'll be negative attention. A couple of the yes. tips that I often tell mums to do, and particularly as he gets older, and one of the things you said that's so true is that they often toddlers are completely oblivious for the first few weeks, but when Matthew starts smiling and he gets cuter or crying more or demanding more, you know, then obviously the, the, you know, kind of the rivalry or the jealousy will is more likely to rise its head. But one of the things that I always did with my little ones was had had a box of books next to where I would feed because breastfeeding is, I mean, it's it's half of your day, you know, it's, 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 it's all the time, but actually the newborn Matthew doesn't really need anything more than just your breast. And so I would, I would sit down with a box of books, next to me and I would say oh it's story time now so it's not actually feeding time you know it's almost like it's story time now and I'll keep Matthew occupied by by feeding him so that they don't think that this is Matthew's feed time therefore they get a story they think this is our story time and by the way Matthew will be kept quiet on the breast you know type thing so it's all about them that's so clever and then having a box of books wherever you are I think that's really really important and it and it's actually great for Matthew's brain as well because when newborns hear their mum talking and reading during breastfeeding, for those mums who've got who don't have older siblings, they you know older toddlers, they can actually do that anyway. When they hear you talking, they're actually learning and wiring their language part of their brain anyway. So, yeah, it is a good thing. Great, thanks. Great tip. Yeah. So I think we've only really got another minute or two. And Kirsty, I'd love to keep up our chats through the course of the year because you have so many fabulous insights because of what you do. Um, is there any milestone, if you think back to the last two weeks, he's only two weeks old, is there any milestone that you think that you've noticed and gone, oh my gosh, that's so magical. I wonder if all mums have noticed that, you know, with being, the, being that you have the insiders of being a, a developmental physio? There's nothing that's really surprised me at the moment. But what I will say is a developmental milestone, I've, I've been working on his visual tracking. And so working on, on getting his eye contact, looking at me, and then following me from side to side. So, um, I, I, yeah, so I use my face. I come in not too close, not too far, just right. So from his nose to, you know, from my nose to my nipple is kind of the distance that his eyes are focusing at this age. And every week his eyes will learn to focus a bit more, a bit further, a bit clearer. So keeping my distance at about 20 centimeters away from him. And I just go from side to side and I allow his eyes to follow me. And slowly I'm going to start introducing up and down as well. So visual tracking, visual regard. I love that. I think that's a really nice thing to work on. 
That's lovely. So a couple yeah. of things around that. So we know that babies need can focus, as you said, exactly 23 centimeters or 20 centimeters, which is actually an absolute miracle because they're perfectly wired for engagement when they're lying at your breast. And so if a mom does hold their baby that distance, it's, it's, it's really perfect visually. The other thing I always say to moms is when you're doing those exercises, which, which um, develop the extraocular muscles and the intraocular muscles. So the intraocular muscles are responsible for focus. So if you move slightly further away and slightly closer, so that's the intraocular muscles having to change their, their, their or, or hone their strength or their, their accuracy. And then your extraocular muscles are the ones that move you left to right and up and down. So those are the type of things that moms should do. But in order to do that, that's a fine motor skill, even though it's an eye skill, that's very, very high level of coordination for a two-week-old baby. And if he's bothered by his movements of his body, his gross motor movements, if he doesn't have stability of his neck muscles and of his head, he's not going to be able to use those fine motor muscles. And so I always say to moms, make sure they're very, very heavily supported and that there's no yes. other movement in their body while they do that. So yes. shoulders leaning slightly forward, head supported fully, and then they will actually be able to kind of really hone those, those um, intra and extra ocular muscles. So that's a great piece of advice for the, for the two-week period, Kirsty. Thank you. Yes. I actually wrap them up. I swaddle him in those periods. Brilliant. Wipe off him against my neck, my legs, um, uh, with my knees up in the bed, yeah. and I hold his hands to his tummy, and his exactly. knees a little bit in, so he's in a little nest. I love and it. And then I use my face from side to side. Yeah, that's exactly. Brilliant. That's great. Well, that is such a fabulous um, piece of advice for mums, a little tidbit that you can all do with your naught to two-week-old baby, developing those those eye muscles. And then, of course, as a byproduct, you're also developing engagement and, and so on, which is really stunning. So, Kirst, thank you so much. And Matthew, thank you for joining us, Matthew. He's been so good. Just a couple of little grunts. He's obviously so sleeping so beautifully. Ah. I'm <laughs> lucky. Yeah, well, enjoy him, Kirsty. And we will definitely Thanks, have man. you back on again. Um, really stunning to chat to you. Awesome. I really enjoyed it too. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download Parent Sensor and take the guesswork out of parenting.